Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin and we are visiting today with Frankie Picasso. And we're talking about emotions and feelings and how they're affected by our thoughts, our memories, the things we think about, our experiences. Because I get all tied up in when I'm trying to stay in the seat. And Frankie, we talk about staying in the seat um, from the the terminology from the untethered soul, which basically says, you know, you kind of sit back and watch it unfold like a play. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't get involved unless you need to get involved. And What I'm having trouble with, and Linda and I talk a lot about this, is the management of feelings and emotions. And, you know, if I'm having a bad day and I unload on somebody, I'm definitely not in the seat. But if I'm having a good day, I still feel upset. And I I get confused between where we shut down emotions, how do we feel emotions or feelings. I just get all confused. Hmm. Good. Well, it is confusing and people use them interchangeably, you know, but an emotion is the physical response to change that's hardwired in us, right? It's to everybody. And the other side of that is the feeling that you have or your mental associations and reactions to those emotions. In coaching, you know, we talk about um, react versus respond. So you learn to to respond versus that you know reaction that that initial reaction that if you don't think about it is going to happen that's your body you know and your experiences from a young age and even your dna that says you know i'm going to respond like this to fear or anger you know you see how your parents did it and so a lot of times we copy how how people respond to anger but you can learn to respond and that's a you know a very smart way to handle those those feelings well, so let's say like somebody, um, like 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 somebody goes out and they don't call you, and they're they, you don't know where they are, you don't know what's happened to them. So you your mind says things like they've been in a car accident, you mm-hmm. know, they're dead, they're not calling me back, you know, and right. Something prosaic as they didn't charge their phone, like happens to my kids all the time. But then I feel all these emotions like fear. And then mm-hmm. the more fear I feel, the more that fuels the thoughts in my mind. Like it becomes like this, I don't know if it's a hamster wheel or a, a feeding cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so let's say let's say that happens. You you have a choice in that moment to, you know, uh, buy into what your, what your mind is telling you 
Or you can change that emotion, change that thought to, okay, you know, I'm a little bit worried. I don't know what's happening, but I can put my attention elsewhere and choose not to go down that, that road. I'm going to calmly wait until I hear something. I'm going to uh, go watch a movie. I'm going to do something else rather than buy into that fear. And that's learning how to respond versus react. Well, and you're right. It is a learned response because when you've done it your whole life, when, when something triggers you, mm -hmm. uh, and we call it a thorn, we've got something inside of us that's unresolved. So anytime that that thorn is poked, we go into that same way of reacting to it. Right. I think the first thing we have to do is be aware what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, um, and then slowly, and I, and I say slowly, it, over time, if we pay enough attention to it and do like you say, you know, divert our attention because we know our panic isn't real, mm -hmm. it will go away because we're not responding to it, but it's not like instantaneous. It takes time to figure it out. You know, like my dad always said, you know, the time to worry is, is when you have to worry. <laughs> you know? It's like when you know something, you don't worry until, you know, you have to worry. So really that, that the way that your brain is that thorn or the way that your brain is, is triggered, um, we'll, we'll call it, you know, a pathway, a neural pathway. And so that neural pathway can be changed. We can, we can, you know, say, we're going to try this behavior instead of, you know, immediately going into hyperactive fear and overwhelm, I'm going to choose to go down this other rut, you know, this little path. And so it's a little deer path and, and it's not very strong and, you know, you wobble as you go. But the more you train yourself to, to go to the the new deer path, the more you train yourself to do that, that becomes the, the you know, essential pathway. And the neurons will go that route rather than to go to the original. So that one will become covered up with thorns and covered up with bush and whatever. But the new one is going to be well-traveled and, and the ruts are going to get deeper and deeper. So it becomes your go-to. So it's really, I mean, we can, it's, it's proven we can do this, but it's a challenge because you need to learn how to respond. You need to say, I'm going to divert this fear. I'm going to not be in fear until I know there's something to worry about. If I get a phone call from, from you know, uh, traffic control and say uh, there's been a really bad accident and your car was in it and your children or what, whoever god forbid were in it that's the time to get scared but until you you know know for sure or have that information you know what, what's worry going to do for you absolutely nothing just make you sick sick to your stomach or waste your time and waste your time that that could be valuably spent and then when you find out oh i was just busy sorry i couldn't call you you're like, holy crap, I just spent a whole weekend worrying about you and I haven't heard, and it was for nothing. So that was time that you could have spent valuable productive time or having fun or doing something with people that you love or, you know, going to the beach or doing something, you know, great. And yet you, you chose to stay and worry about something that you had no control over anyway. Even if you were worrying, you couldn't fix it. Yeah, but it's in our, it's kind of, a, there's some people, it's in their DNA that they're worriers, right? And don't we have to figure out why we are or what it is about this particular incident that triggers yep. us of, you know, why 
do we react like this? We don't re we don't react like this in all situations, but we react to, to this particular situation that way. Don't we, in order to vanish it from our lives, do we have to know where it emanates from? It's not our brain. It's something that's stuck in our psyche, something that may have happened before in our past or past lives or something. It's a possibility, Linda. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the first thing, like you said, is to find out where it's coming from. Like if this is something that is that is a constant in your life and, you know, it, it's disrupting your life, then I would call uh, I would say, first of all, it's, it's called an underlying automatic commitment in coaching terms. So it's something that you're committed to. Uh, a behavior that you're committed to that you don't know about is subconscious behavior. So let's say, let's say you, I think, I think, um, okay, let's, your, your husband goes to the store and he, he said, I'll be back in five minutes and he takes three hours, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're starting to worry after the, the first 10 minutes and you're starting to freak out after the first hour, you know, what, what hell happened? What happened to him? What, you know, did he die? Did, did this happen? Did that happen? Did he fall down and nobody's helping him? All kinds of silly scenarios going on in your head. Um, so at that moment, you could say, okay, what's really going on here? What am I really afraid about? Like, why am I so afraid? He's a grown man. He has a cell phone with him. Uh, he knows how to call for help. Maybe if something happened, I'm sure he'd call me. Maybe he wouldn't call me right away because he knows I'm going to panic. But as soon as, you know, he's okay or whatever, he's going to call me. You know, or he just went, you know how he is, and he just likes to lollygag and decided to go look at uh, power tools, <laughs> you know, whatever. So you can, you can address yourself in that situation go, where does it come from? Why am I so afraid of this scenario? Am I afraid to be alone? Am I afraid, really afraid that something happened to him? Is this behavior that I've seen exhibited by my mother and, and my father? Is it my grandparents? Like, where did the behavior start? Where does it come from? Where have I seen it before? Does it sound familiar at all? Yeah, I mean, that, that's it. I think it's trying to find out where, where it emanates from because in all of these situations where we worry, um, unnecessarily it's always that what if scenario yeah and behavior is learned you know behavior is something that we learn and we can unlearn so if it's if it's behavior then that's you know something we can certainly do something about do we have to know where it stems from no not really I think we can make a choice then and say you know what I'm not going to do this anymore this is silly behavior um, it doesn't it, it doesn't serve me well and I don't like being upset. I don't like my stomach being in knots. I don't like feeling nauseous. I, I'd rather sit down and have a good meal. Or I'm tired of eating chocolate bars and ice cream when I get upset. You know, that doesn't serve me well. What else could I do? And, you know, when, once you address behavior and look at behavior and decide, you know, is it good for me or bad for me, then you can make the change based on, you know, just the emotion of, of saying, I don't like how this makes me feel. Because you can't do anything about it. In you know, if you could, then you would. No, right? you can't change somebody else's behavior. So the only thing you can do is look at yours and say, okay. And you exactly. know, that you don't like feeling like that. Um, so exactly. the thing is, how do I how do I fix it? And that's always the, you know, that's almost always the challenge. How do I fix it? Can be very very easy if we could just you know turn it off and say, be gone. I don't need you anymore. You're right. Not but like any, I mean, we can look at it as an addiction. Okay, it's a behavior that we're addicted to that, that is, you know, 
part of us uh, until we decide to change it. And so, like any addiction, you you address it, you you talk about it, you look at it, you examine it, and you say, "I this isn't good for me. I'm not going to do it anymore." How do you stop an addiction? You're conscious of it. You just have to be super conscious, uber conscious all the time until you know it lessens and severity. A commercial break, and we're going to talk more about this when we get back from the break. We're here today with Frankie Picasso, Linda Franklin, Sandra Beck. This is Powered Up Talk Radio, and we're talking about after the break when you don't like how something makes you feel, what are the steps to change it? What are some things that we can do to break those habits? We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vienne in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabber lotchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin and Frankie Picasso. And in the first segment, we talked about behavior. And when we have a behavior that we do, and we do it to ourselves, um, and we don't like the way it feels, Frankie, you called it an addiction, but I'm going to open the conversation to say that things become a habit or a pattern. Like for me, when, um, you know, ever since my marriage dissolved and my ex-husband just, you know, moved out one day pretty much without warning, um, I 
anytime somebody doesn't call me back and it doesn't if it's a friend or a client i don't worry about it a client a little bit i worry about it if it's a love interest then i feel mm -hmm. all icky it, even if it's just a couple hours you know and it's and it's unreasonable and i know that this is unreasonable about myself it's been this way for eight years and but it's a habit. I immediately go to there. It's like, ooh, two hours have passed. So-and-so hasn't called me back or texted me back. Like, And I go immediately into catastrophic thinking of like, oh, it's over. He's dead. He's met somebody new. He's moved on. And, you know, and it's so ridiculous because I could have just talked to that person. Right. In the morning, like I, I know that it's it's completely crazy, but it's like you said, it's like a path that everything immediately goes down from one trigger. Right. Yeah. So, and, so, and it's understandable. Sure. Sure. It's recognize. The thing is that you recognize where it stems from. Yes. I'm sorry, you broke up there a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. But yes, I recognize where it stems from. But it's, you know, when you talk about responding and reacting, and I, you know, I invite Linda to come in on this thing, too. Like when, when, you know, her husband disappears on his shopping things, like it immediately, Linda, you immediately go there. I immediately go there. Now it's less over the years. I'll be honest. It's not as hot white flame as it used to be, but it's still there. Right. Yes, so it's mine, but I, but I, I do recognize it, and I, and I, like you, it is getting a is it is getting better. So we're working on it. I, I don't think it's an overnight process. I don't think no. it, I don't think we have to be so hard on ourselves. But we recognize it. We know we don't like it. We know we we our lives would be a lot better without it in it. So we're you know we're working on a way to to get past it. And I don't think it's our brain yeah. that's going to so, get So, I mean, you know, the, for the first question, I'm sorry. I, I would just say I don't think it's our brain that's going to get us past it or our, own, or our talk. I think the thing that will get us past it is trying to be quiet and calm when we feel that feeling going on and listen for some inner guidance rather than, the, the you know, the brain uh, talking, you know, or the silly talk that's going on in our heads because that that doesn't work. No. So there's a couple of things that are happening right, right then and there. The first thing is that when you, when, when you go into that mode that you've recognized, you can do one or two things. You can flip the switch. So that means you can have a positive thought that makes you happy that you keep in your back pocket for just such a situation. So you, you know, you take that out and you, and you just flip that emotion and go, Oh, look at, look at this puppy. Oh, I remember that puppy. That puppy was so cute. He made me laugh. And just to have something that makes you feel really good. So you're, you're flipping, you know, the, the initial reaction to a, something that's different. So hopefully that can become your new habit. Um, that's, one, that's one thing that you can do. Um, another thing that you can do is to wear a rubber band on your wrist. And every time, you know, you go, okay, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to, you know, get all anxious. And when you get anxious, you know, you snap your rubber band to remind you to put your thought back to um, a happier thought, back to a thought where you're not anxious. And remember, you can't do anything about it until you know that something has happened. So there's no point in, in you, you know, your conscious mind knows that there's no point, but your subconscious mind doesn't. So you have to remind your subconscious mind that nothing is going on 
until you know that something's going on, right? So your fear is that, you know, he might not come back. Um, your conscious mind is saying, well, that's kind of silly because he probably will. He has, you know, nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10, he comes back. Uh, why wouldn't he? So the, the first question you ask yourself is, the very, what's the worst scenario that could happen? He's dead and he doesn't come back. What's the best scenario that could happen? He's out buying me a diamond ring. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to surprise me, you know, and there's everything in between and you can, you know, you can play this game, but really it, it's serious in that you're, you take it to the nth degree and then, and then you wind it back to normality. Anyway, has this ever happened before? Have, has he, have I ever experienced this with this person before? If it's new relationship, you don't know maybe, but in Linda, in your case with your husband, you kind of do know, um, that sometimes he shops longer than he says he's going to. Yeah, well, as I said, it's gotten a lot easier. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, but it's, it's not just you. I mean, we're talking about everybody else who's listening, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, people have, you know, their triggers. Um, right. And, again, they, it goes back to the thorn that it's still there, and when it's poked, it, you know, it hurts. It, uh, it doesn't get poked all the time, but when it gets poked, you know, you go into that, familiar pattern and which we don't like which is very upsetting um and we get mad at ourselves for going there so (laughs) and there's no good from it no good that comes from that i mean we know all that it's just okay i know all that but it's it's like an automatic response and um but in your in your head, there's a voice in your head that's saying that to you, right? There's a voice in your head. It's not it's a voice not in you. my head. It's a it's actually a it's a body reaction. It's okay. visceral, right? It's so visceral. like your heart visceral reaction. You, you know, you you can feel yourself tight, your chest tightening up. You can just it's a visceral reaction that just happens. It's you know, it's not it's not like you plan it. It just sort of comes on you. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's my experience anyway. It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. not my head. It's it, it, my body starts to react to, the, I guess it's a fear. Is that a body memory? Maybe. You know, we hear a lot about, you know, body memories and how, you know, traumas from the past can entrench in us you know, even as, as little teeny things. And then we have a, a body memory where the memory, the, the body recognizes all these signals and then flares up into, we see this a lot in post-traumatic stress, you know, where it, it flares up into a fully articulated response and it came seemingly out of nowhere. Okay. Well, the way I feel about all of these things, whether it, whatever your um, particular thing happens to be, is that this is something that we're here to learn because otherwise we wouldn't be having this deja vu groundhog day that keeps happening and happening again obviously we're we've had that experience before we didn't figure it out so now boom guess what it's back we have to you know let's try to figure it out this time so that next time we don't have to figure it out but um the thing we we have these things and we I, I believe that we we asked for these things before we even came into human form to say, okay, these are the things I got to learn during this. So if they're going to keep coming at me until, <laughs> until I figure it out, and I know while you're doing it, it's very unpleasant, but I keep thinking this is something I've got to figure out because I don't want right. to come back next time and have to do it again. 
But let's think about this for, for one second. The, the, the thought, the voice tells you something and then the body, the emotion, pro, you know, it proceeds. It doesn't precede it, but it proceeds the thought. So the, the emotion is the physical response to the thought, right? So you don't get angry and then have, a, have the thought, oh, I'm pissed off at this person. You're pissed off and then your body feels the anger, right? So it's so fast you don't even notice it. But basically, you have a thought, and then the emotion is, is part of that, comes after. Oh, we think? have the emotion, and then your body reacts to the emotion. I don't even know if it's a thought. It's a, I think it's the emotion of fear, anger, whatever your emotion happens to be. But, but something happens, or you see something, or you he- think you hear something, and you say, I'm, I'm afraid, and the body starts to feel fear. Like, I don't think you have the emotion. I think that the thought is first and then the emotion happens because like you wouldn't be angry at nothing. You would have to, oh, that makes me angry. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's something that's happening. Yeah. So I, I guess it's something that's going, something that's, you might not even realize the thought came through so fast because it's such, it's that neuron, that pathway, because in our brain, it's a, we we have what's called like a servometer, and it recognizes instantly. This is like something else that's happened before. I recognize. I know what to do with it. It's so fast. Like we don't even consciously catch it, but our our you know subconscious catches it, and 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 it goes. Oh, I've even though I haven't had this exact experience before, I know what to do with it because it's so similar to this other one. Boom! Now I'm afraid, and it could do it for for happiness. It can do it for all kinds of stuff. But that our brain is wired to solve the problem of whatever whatever it is. And if the problem is saying, you know, I need to be uh, pissed off or I need to be afraid or uh, whatever that emotion is, that, that's what happens. Like when my ex-husband used to come home, I never recognized it. But I would hear the car and then my heart and everything would speed up. So the adrenaline and the cortisone is being released because, you know, he was like, an asshole and he was a abusive <laughs> alcoholic but you know i never recognized until one day i go why is all this happening to my body he's not even in the house he's not doing anything mm. but you know the thought was is like oh shit he's home and then boom everything starts racing and once i recognized that i thought i have to be out of here this is not good you know once you have that physical reaction to all of your thoughts then you you recognize how detrimental it is because you don't need cortisone going through your body all the time because it causes you know all kinds of disease. Absolutely. I'm yep. going to take us to commercial break. We're visiting today with Frankie Picasso of the Good Radio Network. We're also here with Linda Franklin, and we're talking today about feelings and emotions and how they intertwine with us and work with our experiences and our memories, and what are some choices that we can do and that we can take when uh, you know when when these things happen. One of the things that I took away from this that uh, Frankie said was that you know we. We can flip the switch when we start having some of these responses. We don't have to feed it. You know, we don't have to to encourage these feelings to grow. We can actually replace them with something else or minimize them. We come back from the break. We're going to talk more about these kind of responses because everybody has them. Oh, yeah. Learn how to manage them. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. 
of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin and we're visiting today with Frankie Picasso of the Good Radio Network. We're talking about feelings, emotions, how they relate to the body and mind, our experiences and our thoughts all come together. And what I was thinking about recently this week, girls, is I thought about my kids and, you know, nobody had to teach them how to express anger or frustration or sadness. And if you don't believe me, just go into Target or Walmart. Walmart on every given day, watch a mother take something away from a child. You know, they'll, you know, Zachy could, could blow the roof off a target. And, um, but as we get older, we learn to manage and our parents hopefully teach us how to manage these emotions. But in many cases, there are some deep seated experiences or deep seated patterns that we have as children, um, that carry into adulthood. You know, I, I always thought about when I was getting divorced, um, my attorney would say to me all the time, he says, Sam, you got to remember, people do what works for them. So if lying works for them, if telling the truth works for them, like whatever pattern they've established in their life or habit, whatever works for them is, is going to be their go-to move, especially in conflict or drama or trauma. And so when we try to rewrite some of these habits that maybe are still serving us in some way, 
You know, like mm-hmm. I think about mm-hmm. the women in my circle who are divorced. There's the there's part of them are the oh poor me. I'm never going to get over this. I'm mortally wounded. Be nice to me. Do things for me. Buy me things. Give me things. Mm-hmm. That, on the flip side, there's the divorced moms who are, I hate men. They all suck. I'm going to do it on my own. And, you know, don't help me. Don't even give me any advice. And, you know, and I'm kind of somewhere in the middle there. You know, and I do swing back and forth between those two pendulums at times. But I'm really examining what behaviors got me what I wanted because if I'm not where I am in life, those behaviors haven't served me very well. Yeah. So let's look at that for a moment. I mean, you are a very independent woman. You know how to do things on your own. You can, you know, wield a hammer and a screwdriver as well as, you know, turn a blender on and make dinner. So, you know, you're not sitting in a corner crying and pathetic. And, and so you can say, okay, um, but you're not, you, you, you know, you're not running women's lib organization. You'd still like to have a partner and, and a guy, right? I mean, it's not about that I don't want somebody. But what's really good about your particular case is that you don't need one. So you get to choose one, which right. is great, right? Because needy people don't get choices. Needy people just need. And you are in a fortunate position. You know what? I'm going to choose the right person. I can afford to wait for the right person because I don't need his money. I can afford to wait for the right person because I just want to feel really good when I'm in a relationship, I don't need one. So that's a really strong area to be in. If you're pathetic and hate men, or you know you're the in in the oh my god, can you help me? Can you do things for me? Um, arena, being you know that personality, which is very unattractive. Um, you know, life's not going to be good for you. It, it's not. So you're actually in a very strong place, which I think is really good. So congratulations on that. The, the the kid crying in Walmart or Target or wherever wherever they're doing it, this is, I don't know if they learn to manage as well as they become socialized. And this is where we all become socialized. You know, we're told, um, be a good little boy and girl, here's your treat. And we do it with animals and we do it with, with, with our kids. And little girls, oftentimes, you know, we grow up and we need chocolate when we're upset <laughs> or we need ice cream because that's what was given us. That's what comforted us. Here, put a lollipop in your mouth and shut up, right? And even today, you know, if I get really, really upset, what can I eat? What's going to be really good to eat? You know, what's going to soothe me? But I recognize the pattern and they go, okay, I don't need to do that because I know where that comes from. It comes, you know, comes from sticking anything in your mouth, shut your kid up and and move on. Um, We all do it and we all see it. Absolutely. Uh, So is there an alternative to that? Okay, some people give their kids a timeout. Right? So is time out good? Can you reason with a two-year-old? You know, do they have that, that functionality to be able to <laughs> reason? Or would a quick, you know, slap on the wrist, take care of things and go, oh, yeah, okay, I'm not going to put my hand on that burner anymore because that really hurt. You know, there's thoughts of school on, on everything. But it's it's the socialization of us as human beings is, is what where all these things come from, really. By our parents, by our schools, by society, by everybody. Television. So when we deconstruct things that aren't working for us, do you have like a formula or do you have something like a question you can ask yourself? Like, or do you just start with, you know, I don't really like feeling this way. It it absolutely starts with questions. So the question 
you know, first question, first thought is, I don't like feeling this way. Okay. So if I don't like feeling this way, and this is the thoughts that I have, how can I, you know, I can either go back and go, where did that first start and rewind that thread? Like I did um, with, I I always had this thought that I didn't deserve things until I lost weight. Oh, I can't do that until I lose weight. Oh, I can't go there until I lose weight. That was the thought, right? And it was a ridiculous thought. But um, I thought about it, and I go, when was the first time I ever had that thought? And I just took that thread, and I went back, 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 till I was about eight or nine years old, and, my, and I wanted a puppy. And my mom said, you can't have a puppy until you lose weight. Did I need to lose weight? No. Was it a control thing? Yes. But, you know, that's, that's where it started. So I don't deserve things until I lose weight. We all have things like that. You know, what is your thought? Where did it start? And now that I know where it started, I can say, okay, well, that's not true. Is it true? Is it is that belief, or is that thought true for me that I don't deserve things because I'm fat or I don't deserve things until I lose nine pounds or I don't deserve things? No, it's not true. It's not a good thought. Why would Why would I have that thought? But I thought it was true my whole life. So we question our beliefs and we ask ourselves, where did this belief system come from? Who gave it to us? Who who put that in our brain? Because somebody did. More than likely, somebody planted it at a at a young age. A lot of the stuff that, you know, things that we do, whether it's reaching for the ice cream when we're upset, um, doing um, – I, I used to get in a car and drive like 150 miles an hour when I was upset. Did that serve me? Made me feel good, but, you know – wasn't smart you know was I trying to kill myself I don't think so I just wanted to prove a point oh nobody loves me let me go faster you know like ridiculous behavior but that was it do I do it today no because it was stupid it doesn't serve me you know what I'm thinking as I'm listening to you ladies I'm, I'm, I'm going back and thinking that you know all of these decisions that we make that really aren't good for us are all ego based yes all ego-based, and if we're if they're consciousness-based, we wouldn't be going through all of these machinations that we go through. So, you know, I'm fat. I can eat this. I don't do this. Or the kid that everybody wants attention. And I'm not getting attention, so it's an ego thing that they're going to have a tantrum. I mean, we learn it at a very early age that the ego kind of rules us until we are aware of it and then try to get out of that ego-based behavior. And the only way we can do it is, you know, self-examination to say, I mean, and that's what I'm doing these days is every, you know, I'm not going to do this or I am going to do this. Is this ego, is this ego based or, or conscious, consciousness based? And Mm -hmm. I, I find that, you know, a lot of times it is ego based. And if I make a decision out of that place, it's usually not going to be a good one. Mm hmm. So you're trying to you're trying to work with your higher self at this point and go yeah. okay yeah yeah that's great that's great and and that's where we should all be trying to get to because that's where you really are evolving yeah absolutely so what does higher self then look like like when your husband doesn't come home or you know your kids or your dad or your your boyfriend doesn't return your phone calls like what. What does that look like? Like, what do you, you just, you just go, I'm going to sit in my higher self and not let this bother me? Or, like, what do you do? 
Yeah, I think that would be my thought. I'm gonna. I, okay, let's let's if we want to really go out into the cosmo into into consciousness. We're, okay, we're all connected through consciousness, and we're each here for our own journey, right? So let's really go far out. We're each here for our own journey. So if something happens to Joe, um, will I be sad? Yes. Does it affect me? Possibly, but that was his journey. This is my journey. I'm going to sit in my journey, right? So, I mean, we're always operating between the two planes because, you know, you're a mom and you got your kids and you love your kids and you're always worried about your kids, but, but there's a higher consciousness of Sandra, you know, who's here for Sandra, not necessarily for her kids. She had kids as a byproduct or whatever, but you're, you know, you're here for your own learning. So, would it be sad? I mean, it absolutely be horrible if something happened to your children. Hor- horrific. But would, maybe that was your learning that you needed to have happen. Who knows, right? But the higher self would recognize I that think things can, happen without our control. I think when you're in consciousness and spend a, more time there than in ego, that you, you begin to not just brain-wise, but spiritual-wise, heart-wise, know that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Right. And that's, that, you know, what a wonderful place if we could all live there to say it doesn't, it doesn't matter. As, lo- as long as I'm going to, I know whatever happens on the outside, on the inside here, I'm going to be okay. That's exactly true. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly true. And, and, of course, you know, do we like it? No. You know, does, do things hurt us? Yes. But, you know, if you really want to get in, be in consciousness, then you know that in the end, none of that matters because it's not who we are. Right. It's where we are. It's where we are. Today with Frankie Picasso and Linda Franklin, and we're talking about the management of emotions. And boy, we hit some hot spots between managing our emotions, you know, with our husbands or boyfriends or with our children or our parents. You know, we just throw siblings in there. I think we've got the, you know, quadfecta there of, 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 emotions people who can trigger emotions in us that make it really really hard to stay conscious and and not slip down because it does feel good the human body wants comfort the human body wants results and you know yelling at someone can give you great feelings of power and you know it's ego sure but we're going to talk about when we get back what are some after behaviors we can do when we when we recognize that we need to stay up we've got lots more powered up with sandra beck and linda franklin after these messages Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Fairs 
offer wonderfully wild and wacky summer foods. From chicken fried bacon in Texas to Minnesota spaghetti and meatballs on a stick. There is something about dining at the fair that can make anyone an opsomaniac or a person who is driven to the point of madness by food. State fairs are famous for their loverwort or food with no nutritional value. The California State Fair boasts fried Krispy Kreme chicken sandwiches. That's fried chicken and Swiss cheese tucked into a Krispy Kreme donut served with a side of honey sauce. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef, covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? Ma Wella. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin and Frankie Picasso, and we're talking about emotions, and we're talking about feelings and and triggers and, and how to handle things. And as we come into the holidays, boy... We're going to be around with family and siblings and, oh, kids, everybody can just, you know, there's some people, as Frankie put it, that they just have to breathe and I just go through the roof. And and it's hard because holidays are about family and family does not always get along. That's so true. Um, I think, though, what what you need to try to do before you, you go is to run scenarios through your head. And actually teach yourself how you're going to respond instead of react because you know what's going to happen. You know they're going to say something and you know you're going to get upset and somebody's going to storm out of the room because it's happened every single holiday, right? So how can you better manage that scenario where you just stay calm, things don't escalate, they can try, but you're not going there, you're not playing the game. And the way to do that is to actually... Two ways. One is to, is to for your higher self to have a conversation with their higher self. In you know when you're in bed, just you know mentally think about them and let, hey, you know what? Let's not go there this year. Let's let's try something different. I'm not going to react to you. I'm going to you know just stay calm and cool. And I'm going to practice that before I go. So you can already run through these scenarios. And and you know you talked to earlier, Sandra, about the body having memory. This is the same idea. You know, before we used to do um, a dragon boat race, we would, we would sit on the ground and, play, and do the whole race in our head. And then when you get, actually get out on the water and you start paddling, you've already run that race. So it's the same thing. You're going to do it in your head before you go to dinner. Uh, you already know what's going to happen. So change, change the scenario before you get there. Or just don't engage. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Don't engage. Don't engage. I mean, and it's, and they're going to keep trying and trying to poke mm-hmm. you, poke you, poke you. And if you just say, no, I'm not going there, eventually they're going to stop because it's no fun for them. Yeah, but you, you can't just walk in there going, I'm not going to do that. You really have to think about, because you know what feelings are going to come up. You know you're going to feel anger. You know you're going to feel this or that. So before you actually go this week, start planning how you're going to feel, how you're going to react when they say that. Consciously say, oh, okay, I'm going to slow my heartbeat down. Consciously, I'm going to start breathing 
deeper when this comes up. I'm going to, you know, say thank you for that and just turn to the other person next to me and start talking about something. Like plan your attack or your non-attack. <laughs> your non-attack, right. Your non-attack. Plan that whole scenario. Like, and it works. It's your visual, like like you said, the athletes, they visualize the race mm-hmm. before they even get to the track or, or to the to the field. Um, and, you know, it does work because you're, you're, con- you're controlling the situation. And, and not your body will remember that. Way. Yeah, and your body will remember how you how it didn't react to that stimuli. Well, because- and I think there's even more to it than that. Like, it's also about being prepared. I think, you know, when I went home this summer, Linda and I talked for hours about how I was going to handle a certain family member that just, I don't know, I can get under her skin, she can get under my skin, and, and you know, what the action plan was going to be. And I sat down and I wrote down, all the things that I've heard over 40 years that just get my goat. And I, I put them out on a list of piece of paper and I said, okay, every time I hear one of these things, I'm just not going to react. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to answer. I'm just going to let it like float by like a cloud. And mm-hmm. having that awareness of what sets you off, it's like just by the process of recognizing it takes the power away from it. It's when you don't recognize it. And by the time you're embroiled in an argument or a disagreement, you're like, how did I even get here? So I think deconstructing some of these things, you know, like you talk about playing out in your head, like a scenario, you know, like playing a tennis match or, or dragon boat racing. You think about what could go wrong. What will I do? If, what could I do that? Right like my lifeguard training it was all about what you do when and so I kind of applied that this summer to what will I do when she says this what will I do when she does that and I can only control myself right and there's no way I can control somebody else but you had a strategic plan you 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 plan the event before you went. So when this happens, I'm going to do this, or I'm going. You know, when I hear this word, I'm not going to react. So it was all pre-planned before you went, and that's what we're talking about: is just running that that plan or putting that strategic plan into place that you had by saying, "Oh, this word, yeah, that's not going to be a trigger today. That's a, that's you know, that's done. I'm done with that word," and and just knowing that. You're, you're not going, and it's, we go back to the very beginning, it's learning to respond versus react. And you were just watching it like a movie, and if she said something that that really upset you, it's not, it's not a... You took the sting out of it. It's, it's, it's not about you, and you were, you were kind of removed from it, so if you're watching the movie, it's not you. She's just sort of talking to the air here, and you're, you know, your your head's in a different place, and so she's not hurting you. It, I mean, it it's it works. It does work because even when you watch a movie, we can watch a movie and know that it's not real, but we're still going to cry. At the sad parts when somebody dies, we're still going to cry when an animal gets hurt, or we're going to laugh when it's funny. Like we, our subconscious does not know the difference between reality and fiction. So it doesn't know. Whatever's been imparted to it, that's all it knows. It doesn't know right from wrong. It doesn't have any morality. And it doesn't know real from fake. Because otherwise, when we watch the movie, we wouldn't get emotional. But we do. So we can practice our movie in our head 
and and decide all of these things beforehand. Sorry. Well, and I think it had to be. Is that Peanut? We were all yeah. Who else would be whooping? Oh, we've had Lucy and Lucy's, Lucy's barking now, and I, I she even shut the door, so I don't know what she's barking about. But she's barking. maybe she heard Peanut. So Lucy yeah. the star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a big ego. Yes, there you go. But I do think having a plan, you know, it's kind of like getting through the holidays of like, you know, where am I going to go and enjoy the buffet and where am I going to go and not, you know, and it's about making choices. And I think that's the difference when you talk about reacting versus responding. Reacting really means that we just kind of go because our emotions or our feelings, whatever it is, we just go because we're we're used to doing it that way. And then responding, just to be able to respond, implies that you have a choice. Right. Exactly. It's, it's like you go to the buffet and you know that you're on a diet. And so you would look over a menu beforehand and go, well, okay, I know what I'm going to eat when I go there. I'm going to have the salmon. I'm gonna, if they make it like this, I'm going to ask for that. And know before you go exactly what you're going to order. Reacting is going, you know, oh, all of this stuff, I'm just going to eat it all and not even think about it. Or reacting is when your ex-husband knocks on your door and he goes, and you get so pissed off because you just saw his face. Instead of going, you know what, when he shows up at the door next time, yeah, I'm just going to take all of the, you know, all of the emotion out of it because he doesn't matter to me anymore. He doesn't have a control over me. He doesn't impact my life. He doesn't have any power. I'm taking my power back. And that's learning to respond. And we can always ask ourselves this, this simple question, too. Do we want to be right or do we want to be happy? Yeah. And hopefully we're going to choose happy most of the time because right doesn't make us happy. No. That, you know, that's the ego. That's fight. a really good question. Right. Yeah. 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 Do I need to win this argument or do I want to be happy? Exactly. I mean, it's so true. I'm walking away because this is not my issue. Uh, if they have, if they feel that they have to get everything in a tizzy, I'm walking away because it's not about me. Right. And it's not about you. Well, and I'm finding in life, most things are not about us. We make them about us, you know, we, you know, it's funny. I was talking to uh, my trainer the other night, and he's the he's the most nice, calm, zen guy you'd ever meet. You know, one of those people that eat everything right and are in perfect shape, and just, you know, really just a great guy. And he was telling me how he has all this road rage on the freeway. Wow! It's like you know, when somebody cuts him off with somebody, and I, I looked at him because that that kind of thing was so incongruent with you know the person that I know. I'm thinking, really, like that's gonna gonna anger you to the point where you get so mad. And I said, but that's not about you. And he goes, yeah, they cut me off. And I'm like, maybe they just weren't paying attention. You know, they don't even know who you are. And it gave me a really good insight into how we can personalize other people's behaviors and yeah yeah that was a really good answer because they probably weren't even looking at him or thinking about him their mind was somewhere else because when you drive you are in a trance state so you know you're you're totally not thinking about what you're doing you're somewhere else and and it wasn't about him 
at all. How would they even know? They're in, you know, we've got 10 million cars that go on our freeway every day, yeah. which is at least 10 million people passing each other. So in what universe are you looking at the person next to you making that decision to go, I'm going to cut you off because I don't like your bumper? I don't know. You know, it's just, it's, it's stupid. Yeah. But we do that as people. We personalize other people's behaviors. That yeah. person was looking at me weird. That person was looking at me. They weren't even. They didn't even notice you. Come but, on. All that car stuff is again. It's all about ego because you know if yep. he's going to go faster or he's going to do this and, that, and no, I'm going to show him or you know if he's going to cut me off, I'm going to show him or I'm going to show her. And it's just all about our psyche. I mean, why is it? It's so damaged and so bruised that a complete stranger can act, make you act like a crazy person. Yeah. And and the reality of that is so funny. It's so true, Linda. And the reality of that is that, you know, we all know that no matter how fast you go, there's going to be a red light and you're both going to be at the same time. (laughs) That's it. In the end, it's going to be the same thing. There's some big old rock truck going up the freeway and then everybody's got to slow down. And it's like, you jerk. You just cut off four people, you know, crossed across four lanes of traffic. And now we're... Three seconds later, we're all stuck behind this big truck. And I think it's just a product of our time. You know, there's so much road rage. Bec- and, yeah. and, and and now people are getting out of cars and killing each other. So, you know, it, it, is that worth it? You know, is your life worth more than, than, than someone cutting in front of you? I'm a, honestly, you've got to ask yourself these questions. We got to respond, not react. We're here today with Frankie Picasso. My gosh, this hour just flew. You can find more about her at the Good Radio Network. She's amazing. On behalf of Linda Franklin and myself, I welcome you guys to check out our Powered Up community on Facebook where we talk about these issues. We talk about solutions and problems and things that we all face so that when we know better, we can do better. And when we do better, we get to be happy. And isn't that what it's all about? We'll be back again next week. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and 